Welcome to Time Out Bulls, driven by Lexus. You can visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the redesigned Lexus. Hi, this is your host, Chuck Swirsky. So our guest today is Larry Bird. And you're probably saying, wait a minute, Larry Bird, what connection does he have with the Bulls other than when the Boston Celtics would beat the Bulls? Well, you know, anytime you get a chance to interview a legend, and that's his nickname, by the way, as we know, Larry Legend out of French Lick, Indiana, I mean, you have to grab it. And we talked about some great stories about Bulls and Celtics and about MJ, but also about Larry Bird. Because you know what? When you're a player, because everyone's after him when you're a player. Everyone wants to interview him. Everyone wants an autograph. They want a piece of a player. But now, as president of the Indiana Pacers, overseeing what's going on on the basketball side of things, you know, Larry Bird has had a chance to come up for air, see what the big picture is all about. I mean, think about this. He won MVPs. He won Coach of the Year. He's won Executive of the Year. I mean, come on. That's pretty impressive. So I hope you enjoy our time with Larry Bird of the Indiana Pacers, but of course, a Hall of Fame player with the Boston Celtics. Welcome to Time Out Bulls, driven by Lexus. You can visit a Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer today to test drive the redesigned Lexus RX. And joining us today on our weekly podcast is Larry Legend. That's right, Larry Bird has been kind enough to uh, share some thoughts on his career and reflections on the NBA. And uh, Larry, number one, it's a pleasure. And we can go all over the map. We know we have a limited amount of time. But let's talk a little about Fred Hoiberg. Can you give me something good on Fred Hoiberg? <laughs> well, I was here. I coached Freddie for three years or two years here in Indiana and Never a finer young man, a hard worker, uh, uh, just a joy to be around. And, and now I'm following his career and, and watching him and wish him nothing but best. He's a great family man. He's a, a great guy, and he was a great player for us. So I had a lot of, a lot of good emotions about Freddie. Now, now, Larry, when he came into the league, was he on the cusp of making the ball club, or did you know he was going to make your team? Oh, I knew he was going to – he was here with Larry Brown when I got here. I knew he was going to make the team because I followed his career, and and um, he was a good player. I mean, he played hard every day. Uh, you know, he had the task of guarding Reggie every day in practice, and it just made him better. So he was a lot of fun to have on the team. All right. So, so Larry, I'm, I'm just curious because this is an opportunity to go everywhere with you, and I want to concentrate a little bit um, first on 1978. You're picked by Boston – and correct me if I'm wrong, the sixth overall pick. But you were allowed to stay in school with somewhat of a, a glitch in the way the NBA handled at that time, the draft procedure. So you played uh, and went to the, obviously, NCAA championship game that year. But knowing your rights belong to the Boston Celtics, during that year, did Red Arbach ever pick up the phone like and say, hey, Larry, just wanted to check in and say, we need you. He uh, he was around quite a bit. He came to some of my games in, in Terre Haute, Indiana, ISU, where I played, and uh, and on some road games, especially at the end of the year uh, when we was in the playoffs. We we played uh, was getting ready to play Arkansas, and he came up to my room. And we talked for a few minutes, and he was saying that well, when you get beat here, we like to sign you and have you come <laughs> and finish out the year with us in the last ten or twelve games in Boston. And I thought that was pretty interesting, but the reason I stayed in school because my mom wanted me to finish my education and be the first one to graduate from college, and, and that's why I went back my senior year. 
Now, would you have done that, Larry? Let's say that, that Arkansas, and they had a terrific ball club that year, as we know. Had they beaten you, and let's say the Celtics had a dozen games left, would you have played? No, I had, to, I had some schooling I had to finish up. I had my student teaching and driver's education classes. I had a lot of things to do. So uh, the reason I went back to school my senior year is just to finish my education. All right. Speaking of driver's ed, were you a good driver's ed teacher? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't know. You'll have to ask some of my students. Uh, um, I was a little nervous at times, I can tell you that. Yeah, Driving I, on the track, <laughs> and, and, uh, but once you went out on that road, it was a different ball game. All right, so what was your first job? Ever? Ever. First, the first job I ever had was in the fourth grade. Uh, I, uh, the principal came in and wanted some kids to help in the cafeteria. And he said, of course, everybody raised their hand. And he came to me and says, well, you're tall enough to do what I want you to do. And so I got the job. I made $6.50 every two weeks. <laughs> but see, <laughs> <laughs> that is a great story. Thank you. So, so the 78-79 season, you, you have a magnificent year, college player of the year. You go to the national championship game. Actually, to get to the championship game, you had to beat DePaul. And uh, you went oh, yeah. 16 of 19 from the floor that ball game, Larry. Yeah, they need every one of them, too. I think we just won by two points. They had an excellent basketball team, a great coach, and uh, it was a barn burner. Uh, going into the game, didn't know much about them. Obviously, I knew about Mark Aguirre, but uh, uh, I just knew it was going to be a tough game, and it was. It went right down to the end. So at that, at that point in the NBA, Larry, as you know, the league had a lot of issues on the court, off the court, and here comes Larry Bird, here comes Magic Johnson, and then five years later in 84, the Bulls draft Michael Jordan. When you reflect on that period, and, and basically a lot of people who have covered this sport a lot longer than I have and have covered the sport before you came into the league in the late 70s, say that that period of time saved the league. When you look back at that period in your life, are you proud of the fact that you were able to make a major impact on the NBA? Well, I'm just glad to, to be able to continue playing the game of basketball. Uh, I didn't know much about the NBA when I came in. I do know in 84, uh, the league started growing, and, and I, David Stern took over at that time. Uh, and you could see every year it seemed like it was getting better and better. Uh, they really spent a lot of time on the rules, uh, trying to get the officials to call the game the way that, that uh, the rule book uh, was laid out. Uh, more people were showing up to games across the country. Uh, but you got to remember, in 84, I think uh, we went to the finals four years in a row, and the Lakers uh, went like, I don't know, eight times in ten years, mm -hmm. something like that. So there was always good matchups. But when Michael came in, he took it to another level. There's no question about that. And that everybody knows that. Um, his ability to do the things he did on basketball court just uh, – mesmerize a nation and even the, the, it got to where it mesmerized everybody all over the world. Thanks for tuning in to Time Out Bulls. Lexus is proud to bring you this peek under the hood. The all-new Lexus RX is the perfect blend of chiseled design, aggressive performance, and luxury finishes. And with 44 inches of legroom, even our Bulls athletes would be comfortable in one. Visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to test drive an RX today. Now, back to the show. 
Yeah, I want to talk about this 63-point game because, um, you know, the Bulls that year, Larry, as you know, finished with a record of 30-52. and 52. I mean, think about right. that, 30-52. and 52. He only played 18 games because of the stress fracture. Came back, right. he was on limited minutes, and he had 63. And I remember, and to this day, I can still see your quotes about, I think God's disguised as Jordan. And, and I mean, <laughs> he went off, but... Little to be known about that game because Jordan had a, a great – he missed a 15-footer that would have won the ball game in the first overtime. Right. I remember it. I can see it right now. Um, but he was spectacular throughout the game. I mean, we threw, we played really well that game. Uh, obviously, they they had guys were moving and, and, and making shots, but Michael was carrying them. Every time they needed a basket, he, he could get it for them. Uh, but it was it was a duel. I think it went in two overtimes, and, and we pulled away right at the end. But uh, – Great basketball game. It was our best team I ever played on in '86 was with obviously Bill Walton coming in off the bench, Scotty Webman. We we had a stacked team, and they took us right down the wire in that game. Yeah, and and you had a 36-12 and eight game, and in those days they had best of five series, and you swept the Bulls. But at what point, Larry, during that '80s period? Did you think in the back of your mind, okay, maybe our run is over? I know you had some recurring back situation, but when did right. you think that maybe the Bulls had something that they could really turn the corner in and, and have a chance to win some titles? Well, when I see them playing against Detroit, you know, they, they tough battles. Uh, Detroit was, uh, get, got them a couple years there, but you just see them every year getting a little bit better, more confident, and once they beat the Pistons, uh, that's when I knew that, you know, I don't know if anybody can beat them again. Uh, then they made some good adjustments, made made some trades to get some better players around Michael and, and some shooters, and uh, they just got better every year. I mean, the ability of Scotty defending like he did and play the way he was able to play and Michael just dominating, uh, they were tough to handle. Well, you were a teammate of them, obviously, with the Dream Team in 92 in Barcelona. Did you get a chance to, to, to get over close to Michael uh, or were you at different uh, periods of time as far as age and just, you know, where you were at and where he was at? No, I mean, uh, I played some golf with Michael throughout the years. I've always enjoyed his company. Uh, he's competitive in everything he does. And uh, um, I got to know him a little bit. You know, I, I ain't saying him as best friend. You know, I, I, when I see him, very cordial. I always love to compete against him. Um, and um, I've, I've always admired him, the way he's handled himself and, how successful he's been, and um, I just always enjoyed his company. He's a good guy. You know, Larry, when you when you came in the league, I, I was looking at how many games you played, your minutes and whatnot. I mean, you won 61, 62, 63 games your first three years in the league. You played 82 games the first two years in the NBA. And, and I'm wondering, because there's so much focus now on how many minutes a guy's playing, how many games, should we hold them out, should we start resting players? What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, you get paid to play 48 in overtime, so, <laughs> you know, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I think they, they emphasize a little bit too much. I can remember playing three three nights in a row, um, you know, not all the time, but every year it seemed like we had a early earlier in my career we played three games in a row. I never really thought about back-to-backs. Now that's all you hear about it, here at four games and five nights. Way we, we always looked at it, if it was on the schedule to play on a Wednesday and Friday and Saturday, that's what you did. But – I understand it. I see where they're coming from. But, uh, I mean, when you're young, when I was young, I, I just I would love to play it every night, uh, no matter where it was at, because I just love the game. I love to compete. 
but uh, you know, I never heard anybody talk about back-to-back games. Um, but now that's all they talk about. Mm-hmm. But I think they're doing some good things. They're stretching the schedule out a little bit. They get a little more time in All-Star break. I can remember when we went on All-Star break, we went straight to the West Coast for two weeks. We was on the road for 20, 20 days. Wow. And uh, that's a long time without an All-Star break, you know. Uh, so I'm glad they're changing things up, give the players a little more time to let their body rest and, 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 and recuperate. Um, you know, the one thing that I always remember is when we went to the finals four years in a row, I never thought our bodies were able to recoup in that two-and-a-half-month period mm-hmm. before the next season started. And I think over years it, it broke us all down. You know, Kevin has a foot problem. Uh, you know, uh, I had always had the back, and Danny's had some things. Robert's got ankle problems. And we never was able to really get back healthy before we started another year. And we played a lot of minutes. You know, we, we was a team that uh, we relied on our starters to play a lot of minutes. So are you a proponent, Larry, of once the season is over, do you advise your players, you know what, put the ball down, let your body rest? Uh, because nowadays, I mean, guys are in the gym like a week after the season, and they've got personal oh, trainers and whatnot. We got them. We got young. Our young guys are in here all summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you're young, you're you're able to do that. But as you do get older, you need to tend to let your body heal a little bit more. Um, so you know, I mean, every player is different. Some I know Robert Parrish told me he never touched a ball in the summer, but he stretched and and um, he was in yoga and doing different things. Uh, but me, I was a guy that thought if I didn't do something every day, somebody was going to uh, catch me or pass me. Um, I've always had a saying that if I went out and shot a thousand shots, I know somebody around the world is shooting two thousand, mm. and that was always in my mind. So I had to go out there every day and do something. Well, having followed your career, Larry, from the days at Indiana State, I remember there were a lot of ball games where you were one assist or one steal shy of a quadruple double, and the Celtics would be up by fifteen, <laughs> seventeen, and you wouldn't you wouldn't go back in the game. Well, I mean, I can remember. Uh, one time in, in uh, Utah, I was one steal away, and it was probably still about nine minutes to go in the game, and I played almost all the third quarter. Casey took me out. Then he came, then and somebody kept, Dan, I think it was Danny, kept saying, uh, Danny Ainge kept saying, go back in and get a steal. And I looked, and Casey said, yeah, you need to go in there and get one more steal. I said, Coach, I think I've done enough damage. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, okay? <laughs> let me take the rest of the night off, Casey. Thank you. Hey, uh, before I let you go, just two other questions. Number one, when you're chilling at home and, and you got an off night or you're not scouting or you're not watching a ball game, you ever say, you know what, I'm going to flip that disc in and watch me uh, drop 60 on the Hawks. You ever do that just to kick back? No. No? Don't you don't think, see don't any of your old that. games? I got them all in my head. What I, I know that. <laughs> no, I never have done that. I've been to places, uh, you know, fundraisers where they'll have a big screen and they'll throw stuff up there. And I go, wow, how'd I do that? You know, so <laughs> something like that. Or I remember that, you know? Yeah. Pretty interesting. Even though you get older and, and, and time keeps moving on, you still remember, especially, you know, I love to play. I love to compete and all that. And, uh, and you see a quick flash of something, you go, oh, I remember that. That was in the second half, about three minutes ago in the third. So, Larry, what would you say was your most enjoyable year? And I'm not talking about whether you won a championship or not, but I'm just talking about where you really enjoyed it. You enjoyed your teammates or enjoyed just the whole volume of that season. 
Yeah, I, I think it was in 86, even though that was our best team. But we went out and got Bill Walton, and I always idolized Bill growing up. And uh, he was on the same team as I was, and he was healthy. He was playing well. And it was just a joy to have him. And not just for me. I think everybody on the team would love to have Bill around. It was just a joy. Now, and what would made him the guy that you wanted to either emulate or work with or play with? Because of the way he played the game. You know, he's fundamentally sound, and he did a lot of things. that uh, He's the first guy I've seen that could really rebound the ball above the rim and, and make an outlet uh, off of a rebound still in the air. Uh, his passing always mesmerized me, a guy that big able to make passes like he did. So, uh, and, of course, I idolized him growing up watching UCLA play and win and, and dominate. So uh, to have him on our team and energize our team like he did was pretty special. Uh, whether this story uh, has become embellished or not or fabricated, because I know you talk trash, and I say that because players admire that you could back up what you were talking about. There is a story with Xavier McDaniels of then Seattle where <laughs> that you told him exactly what you were going to do, that I'm going to get some time on the clock. You did. I was supposed to make it at the buzzer. All right, so give us the scenario and the narrative of that story. Well, Xavier, I always like to play against Xavier, too, because he, you know, he's rough and, and he's a good player, and, and he'd come after you. you. know, I like guys that really challenge me. And we were down at the end of the game, and I, I think it was – yeah, it was tied. And, and the timeout was called, and Xavier looked at me and said, you're going to get it, aren't you? I said, I'm going to get it right over here. And I, I was walking. He was walking with me. I'm going to get it right here. I'm going to shoot it right in your face and win the ball game. And I did it, and you should have seen the look on his face. I know he, I know he wanted to punch me. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> but he was a dandy. He was a, boy, what a competitor he was. Yes. Yeah, so, so what bull did you really enjoy playing against? I like to play uh, – well, i tell you what I like. I really enjoyed uh, – obviously, Michael was great to compete against, but I, lo I love to watch Scotty every year how much better he got. You know, when he's a rookie and he's trying to guard me, I, I always told him that, too. I said, boy, when you was a rookie, I was just tearing your ass up. <laughs> but as he got older and got stronger and got bigger, I was sitting there going, man, this kid is really getting good. So I like to – I really enjoy watching his progression as, as the years went by. And obviously, when you know in the '90s, he took off and was spectacular. Yeah, there was nothing like when when you would come into Chicago, Larry, and as you know, uh, Chicago Stadium or the you know that oh, yeah. when you were oh, yeah. because you you left in '92 and the United Center was built in '94, so you never played right. in this building. But when Chicago Stadium with the Bulls and Celtics, it rocked. I mean, it, it was rocked. It, it was incredible. I remember in the playoffs, we'd be in there and. And, man, that place was awesome to play in. I mean, it, it was a great arena. Uh, it was great to be out there in, in the center court and look around and see them people look like they right on top of you. And, then, and when they got going, the building shook a little bit. So it, it was interesting. I always enjoyed it. Yeah. We've enjoyed this, Larry. We thank you so much for your time, and I mean that sincerely. Looking forward to seeing you, obviously, uh, when the Bulls play the Pacers this year. You know, this, ladies and gentlemen, is a man – a three-time MVP in the league, rookie of the year, three rings, okay, that's fine. But then NBA coach of the year, he's the only man in the history of this game to have been named coach of the year, executive of the year, MVP. It's amazing, Larry. I mean, really, when you think about your career and what you've accomplished, college player of the year, single-handedly put Indiana State on the basketball map, do you ever sit back in your quiet moments and say, damn, I can't believe what I did. 
well, you know the old saying, if you put good people around you, good things always happen. I always had good coaches, good teammates, and, and a lot of luck along the way. But I will tell you, I did spend a lot of time playing the game and trying to perfect my skills. So there's a lot of lonely nights in them gyms, and, but it uh, seemed like it all worked out. Yeah. I mean, but, but how do you perfect your skills running a ball club? I mean, was that like on-the-job training, or was that just come naturally well, because you have a feel for the game? Well, I had Donnie Walsh here for a lot and still have him for a long time. So, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have a guy that, that really took his time and, and, and taught me everything that he learned, and it's just been a great relationship. Yeah. All right, Larry, listen, again, thank you so much. We appreciate it very, very much. All the best. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Have a good day. Lexus is a proud partner of the Chicago Bulls. Visit your Chicago area Northwest Indiana Lexus dealer to see how sophistication can be daring in the redesigned Lexus RX. Subscribe to Time Out Bulls on iTunes and Google Play. And if you'd like what you heard, leave us a review. We'll be back next week with another great guest. Until next time, this is Chuck Swirsky. Thanks for listening to Time Out Bulls.